Welcome to the BDSI Podcast. I'm your host, Gentry Quinn, and my next guest is a successful fashion influencer, blogger, and new mother who's been on the scene now for over six years. And boy, does she have some insight to share with us today. We're going to go behind the scenes to discover what it really looks like behind all those pretty pictures. Welcome to the Beauty Aside Podcast. I'm Gentry Quinn. I dropped out of school at the age of 17, got my GED, and still managed to build multiple businesses and a beauty line from the ground up. Beauty Aside, each week we'll be talking with entrepreneurs and learning what it takes to achieve balance and what it really means to follow your dreams. Welcome, Kaylee. Thank you so much. I am so excited to talk with you because, you know, you've had such a colorful journey of transition with life and work, especially in the last couple of years. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey and, and where you are right now? For sure. Well, from a blogging influencer perspective, I created my website and my Instagram page just about six years ago as kind of a a creative outlet for me. I had a children's cooking school in Austin, which I love and still miss, but I needed something that wasn't making cupcakes. That was more of my alley that I liked doing and creating. So I started my blog, which was originally called my closetlife.com, but now it's Kaylee Margaret anyway, and kind of cruised through the past, what, five or six years doing that. And it, it has just been such a wild ride. It's been so fun. When I started, I got really involved with all the events and meeting all the local bloggers and everyone in Austin, which was so cool and girls that I'm still in touch with. And it's just been a fun ride to see their brands and names grow as well as my own. But yeah, in the past couple of years, sorry, I'm out of breath because I'm so pregnant. Hey Uh, girl, that is okay. (laughs) We feel you. You've earned that right. Out of breath right now. (laughs) Get off hey. of my lungs, baby. Hey, but, sometimes um, I run out of breath and I'm not pregnant. So what's my <laughs> excuse? <laughs> That's what I want to know. There's always a good one. But, yeah, so in the past couple of years, you know, I've been through a lot of personal change and personal growth. But, you know, being in the industry and being an influencer, it was really, really scary for me at times. But also I found so much support within the social networking communities. You know, I... I moved to Dallas, what, December 2018, which was a bit random of a move for me. But, you know, fast forward six months or so, and I found myself with a very, very surprised pregnancy. And initially, I mean, of course, I had a thousand different thoughts. But one of them was, how the heck am I going to share this on my social channels? Do I avoid it? I can't because I'm obviously going to be pregnant. Do I not? Like, how do I approach this? And I stewed about it for the first three or four months of my pregnancy before I announced it. And that was something that really, I think for me grew a more personal level with my audience. Um, And I had nothing but support from everyone when I made that announcement and kind of since then we've had another wild ride, but it's been neat as you know, we've moved from Dallas to England. Now we're in Winchester, the old capital, which in my opinion, is a little town, but it's technically a city. But I'm already building community here just from Instagram um, and connecting with other women. And, you know, as I've become a mom, motherhood and other other mums, as we're called over here. So it's just been a really, really cool thing 
to have in my life as I've gone through so much transition from like a young party girl to a mom and someone that lives abroad. <laughs> you mentioned uh, support and community a couple of times. How important would you say it is to connect with other people in the same industry? 100% it's everything. And I think that's something that like on social channels, I wish that I had taken more seriously. I'm a very, you know, chatterbox person. I love talking to people. I love meeting new people in person. And I think for the first few years of my blog, I didn't at all portray that within my, my page, my Instagram. And I think that, you know, there is so much support and so much personal, so many personal relationships to be had within these social channels we have. And, you know, there are so many people doing so much good out there because of that. And, you know, with my move, I've reached out to some of the big, of course, they're young and cool and hip. And I feel like I've become like a mother all washed up. But I reached out to some of these cute young girls in London, and all of them got back to me and were trying to, you know, guide me with some of the um, influencer platforms that connect you to brands and just how they get work and things here, you know, immediately got back to me and they have no idea who I am. I'm a total stranger. And we stay in touch and comment on each other's pages and it's stuff like that. That's just really, really cool. That is really cool. And so you mentioned contacting people like building that community or reaching out through these channels. And right now with social distancing, I imagine that's about all we can do for just the <laughs> moment. So what, what would be some ways that people that they're wanting to connect with other people? What would be some ways that people could do that without, without feeling like creepy or, you know, cause it's kind of a vulnerable thing to reach out to someone and especially on a platform like that where, you know, everybody wants something from you. So what would, how would you recommend for other people to, to sort of make those uh, connections? You know, for me, what I do is I, I search on Instagram during the search box. I can't talk during the search box. I do the little hashtag search and search for things like for me, I'll do UK mummy blogger, which is like, it's going to be other moms that blog in the UK. And I follow their pages and, you know, comment on their photos and they'll do the same thing. And, you know, I had someone just the other day, I followed her page. I said her kids were precious and we connected and she's got a sister that lives in Austin. So it's just, you know, people, I think for me, what I keep in my head what's the worst that's going to happen? They're not going to respond to you, right? It's like throwing your resume out for a job interview. But for the most part, people do get back to you. And it's like, cool, we have a connection. You live in Hampshire, which is the state that I live in technically. But it's like, I live in Hampshire. Oh, cool. We come to Winchester. And then, you know, small world kind of stuff. But I, I always give people a little, you know, background on me. Hey, I've just moved from Dallas, we're relocating. I don't know anything about the industry there. It seems quite different than it does in the States. Do you have any advice for me? I would so appreciate it. That's what I said to the girls that I reached out to in London that are the big like top dog bloggers and they all got back to me. So it's just, I think, again, what's the worst that can happen? You're not going to get a response. They're not going to sit stewing saying, oh, that person's a freak. You know, it's just like they checked it. They didn't respond. That's the end of it. But I think reaching out to people and giving a little bit about you is 
a cool thing to do. And for the most part, that's what this community is now built on. So people are going to respond and they are going to want to share and they're going to want to know about you, especially if you're a member of their audience. I love that. I think there's so many genius nuggets of advice that you just rolled up into like a minute or two there, because when you're, when you're reaching out to someone, first of all, you're exactly right. What's the worst that can happen? Also, you mentioned something that's I want to say clever, but it's not, it's (laughs) clever. Doesn't really seem to be the right word either because clever seems like something that you're like something that you're trying to do to maybe get away with something. And that's not it at all. It's just, you have to kind of change the way that you communicate online. And at the same time, you're adjusting because it's online. It's not verbal and people read things differently than they speak you also need to approach those people like you would any other human being that you meet and not, exactly. not approach them as like a fan. Like I'm going to be a fan girl or, Oh my gosh. Or, you know, you're just asking normal questions. You're just relate, you're commenting, you're building a relationship online. And yes. I think that's really important for people to hear right now. Um, so thank you for bringing that to our attention. It's a great piece of advice. Well, yeah, good. <laughs> yes, yes. So I want to talk a little bit about what the day and the life of an influencer is really like, because I think there's a lot of maybe misconceptions, misnomers, you know, people look at what they see, those images, and they really, and if someone does their their job well, people really will never know how much work went into it. That's the beauty of it. It's like watching a movie and going, Oh my gosh, that was a masterpiece. (laughs) And then you watch the behind the scenes documentary and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's so much work. Like, I know, I know. It just, it looks seamless and it is so much. (laughs) But that's the beauty of a great image or video or whatever it is. So can you kind of take us, uh, well, I guess this is in two parts. First, kind of take us through the day in the life of what it's really like to be an influencer. Well, I'll start with this. If you were still working a full-time job, it is very stressful. You know, for me, when I was in Dallas, I really, really took off getting a lot of gigs and jobs with my blog and my Instagram page, which was awesome. It was so much fun. But I also worked 45 55 hours a week. So, you know, you take all that time and you have a blog deal, you have all these images you need to get, you have, you know, companies I work with that I just love and have good relationships that I do fashion posts just for trade for merchandise, but they need picture turnaround in two weeks. And then I have another contract that's due on Tuesday and one that's due on Sunday. And I only have my one off day to do it, which is Friday. So you have got to plan, plan, plan. Um, That's kind of the perspective I have to give it from because I've never only done full-time blogging, I guess up until this point, but now I have a child. So (laughs) it's not like I have free time. Um, But, you know, you have to, you have to organize things. You really need to only take work that is meaningful to you and that you relate to. And I made a lot of mistakes there because I just got so hungry with wanting all these deals when I was in Dallas that I just took every contract I got and got a bit burned out. But you need to, like I said, organize your time, create a concept for each picture you're going to take. So behind every square on Instagram, 
there's so much thought that has to go into it. So I remember one time specifically, it's like I had these wonderful sheets for a sheet company I was working with, which I still have on my bed here, just fantastic because they don't make king size beds here. But I, I was stewing and I'm like, how the heck I'm a fashion person. I wasn't doing that much lifestyle. I'm like, how am I going to make this a natural photo? I can't just like pose with a box of sheets. I need to have the sheets out anyway. And I stewed and stewed for days trying to figure out a concept, but I was like, you know what? I'm a new mom. I'm a working mom. And I like to get home and have a glass of wine in my bed and chill. So what did I end up doing? I took shots of myself drinking wine on these glorious sheets after work, you know, but what goes into that is getting prep, getting makeup done, getting the angles right, especially with indoor shoots, you have to get lighting and everything. And then of course, editing to get the photo to look right with your feed, Um, having Lightroom presets, that would be like a big, big, big tip that I wish I would have had earlier on. But yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. So much time, so much thought, editing, getting your caption to be meaningful, yet still hit the requirements for your ad. Again, if you're just doing creative content, you know, it's easier, but you also, most importantly, always want to have captions and content that's meaningful to your audience. Mm, I love that. I love that. What you're mentioning is really selling the feelings through the lifestyle, which is, which is so genius. And I, you know, I know that that really only comes with time and experience. No one's gonna, I mean, unless they're just very, unless they're just a, a you know, a raw natural, and it just comes to them. Like, see, yes. you, know, you wake up learning, knowing how to play the piano or something like that. Sure. There are those uh, prodigies, <laughs> but, but for the most part, that really comes with experience. And I just love, I just love really selling, like I said, that lifestyle, getting people to understand that the feeling, like what it feels like to be on those sheets. So for people that are already kind of in it, these are really valuable tips. What about for people that are just starting out? Like, how do you get, you know, what you, you mentioned that there's like so many different pieces to this. There's clothing, there's the photography, there's the makeup. If you're doing food, maybe there's food or in your case, there was wine. Like how do people start out building their portfolio as an influencer or their page if they have little to no money? Like what happens? how do you do that? You don't have relationships with the companies yet, you know, you have to build trust and you have to build your audience before you can get these, these jobs, whether it's payment through like what you mentioned through product or, uh, you know, monetary compensation. So how does, how could someone just get started? I mean, I would say as far as your page aesthetically, get an idea of what you want it to look like. You know what I've even done too, I mentioned Lightroom presets. Lightroom is amazing. And there's so many presets. You can get cheap, cheap, cheap ones on Instagram if you just, again, search on the hashtags. I've bought some. I edit them. Take a class on using Lightroom so you are in control of editing your own photos. I think that was a big struggle for me when I started is I would work with different photographers that had different visions. And Back then, street style was the main thing, so it wasn't as big of a deal, but now we're really into those beautiful edited feeds where you just scroll through all the squares and think, oh my God, how did they make this so perfect? Lightroom presets will give that to you, and once you know how to use them, you can tweak them so they actually work best for your skin tone or for what you know kind of backgrounds you're shooting all that. I probably have like 30 different presets, but I edit them to all have 
the same kind of end effect. But I would say when you get started, again, reach out to the community on Instagram, look up, what is it, discover under 10k, discover under 20k, new blogger accounts in your area, connect with them, that'll help you get kind of some interest with other bloggers get together, do shoots together. Y'all can kind of exchange followers because you're on each other's pages. If you can get, well, I can't say get into the PR circuit because that's not so easy to do. But again, communicating with the new bloggers, go to an event that one of them's invited to. Then there's your end, you know, make friends with people, get to know people, networking, you know, networking period in face-to-face at events for influencers and on Instagram or on blogs, just commenting and getting to know and building that community, you're going to start seeing different positives from that. Again, maybe you go to a beauty event with a blogger with 7,000 followers, but she was invited. You meet seven to 10 people there and then they become your friends or you meet someone that started that event. You'll get rolled onto the list for another event And then from there, that's really what I did, truthfully. And then I sat down and at every event, I paid attention to, pardon me, brands and people that I really just kind of hit it off with. And I would go search for their emails and DM on Instagram, say, hey, this is what I'm willing to offer you. Can I have a PR email to get in touch and just pitch, 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 shoot your, you know, shoot your stuff to everyone. Again, what if they say no? you'll survive. What if they don't respond? You'll survive. Best case scenario, they say yes, and you've got your first gig. So that, and that's kind of what I'm at right now, actually, even though doing it for six years, you know, I've done an international move that wasn't planned. I had no time to build an international following. So only 3% of my almost 50,000 followers are in the UK. So I'm kind of a baby blogger influencer all over again after six years here. Um, So I just find brands that, you know, I see we're working with young influencers and I reach out to them. And I mean, for example, I probably sent 15 DMs last week to different brands and companies, and I've gotten one deal from that and no responses from the others. But, you know, that's kind of what you got to do. And then you just build and that starts your portfolio and you can show hey, here's something similar I've done. I worked with this brand. It was a great relationship and, you know, would love to work with you. Um, so you just have to try, 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 rebrand, rethink, and just keep connecting. I love everything that you're saying. And I think that a, a really a good message to, to extract from it is if someone's thinking that they want to do this for you know, a living or going to do it professionally and they're exhausted by listening to what you have to say, it's probably not the right profession for them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because you always have to be, what's going to keep you motivated to do it is to understand the why of why it is that you're doing it. That's what's going to pull you through the hard times. That's what's going to allow you to send the 15 messages in one day and maybe one maybe get one response, maybe not get one response and still be like, you know what? That's okay. There's always tomorrow. Yes. And you wake it is up. hard, 
but it, you know it's rewarding when you get that one yes that's exactly <laughs> right that's exactly right and that's what keeps you going for the one yes so you know and the one yes that leads to the next yes <laughs> yeah it's all we all know how much easier it is to get people on board once other people believe in you. It's all about trust, right? And it's so much yes. easier once someone, whether it's someone you're reaching out to to connect with or someone you're reaching out to about PR or whatever it is, if they're able to look at you in a glance and know that you are a professional figure that's not going to waste their time. Like they, they yes. want to know that you're taking it seriously. You don't have to have... 50, 100,000 followers, but you do need to have an aesthetic. You do need to be in investing, like you said, in Lightroom presets or whatever that is so that someone can glance at you and go, you know what? This is, this is, this is nice. Who, who cares if they have 500 followers? They, they have some organic reach here. This is, this is really pretty. I can tell that they're investing their time into this. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll respond back. I don't know. Anyways, no, that, that is a really good point. And I did a workshop actually when I was in Dallas and I remember still this girl Rhonda had like 5,000 followers and she did more blog deals than I did when I had 30,000 because she was so personable and she created great content and brands loved working with her. So, I mean, you're exactly spot on with what you just said. All right, guys, there you go. There's your motivation. Doesn't matter how many followers. You just need to take your work seriously and be consistent with that. Is there something that goes on that we don't know? Are there kind of like any industry secrets, like behind the scenes secrets that we could, I don't know if secret's the right word, but just kind of like the general public. Is there something that we don't know that goes on that, you know, people could use to their advantage. It's just some kind of secret tip or, I don't know. You know, I kind of wish that I had the answer to that question. I feel like there certainly is, but I truthfully don't know what, what that secret is. Um, you know, I've built success just again, creating relationships and community, but you do see these accounts just to start and blow up and you wonder to yourself, what's going on there that that happened and mine didn't. But truthfully, I would just say, you know, have fun with it. I know that it gets stressful when it becomes a work and it becomes your main source of monetary income. And if you overdo it when you're also working full time, it can be a burnout. But I think, you know, ultimately sticking to what you love for you and creating content that you believe in and you feel passionate about is the number one thing. And um, your audience is going to resonate with that rather than if you try to be the squeaky clean little Nordstrom mannequin model that is so popular in the States now. If you're not that, then your audience isn't going to relate to that. They're going to wonder why you're trying to be something you're not. So I think just being authentic would be my secret to success. And and also joy in, in this crazy industry. I really love that. I think uh, I just love what you said so much. Uh, it's just reminding me of all of those crazy 
you know, you're talking about people that pop out, up out of nowhere and have the success. And I just, I don't know if I even believe in that anymore. And when I hear, yeah. when you hear those advertisements of you can, you can make, you know, millions of dollars by only working three days a week, I'm just like, you're a liar and I hate you. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I no, no I, I hate using even the word hate, but, and I'm just, no, I'm, I know. Just, I'm just being silly, but I'm just, I'm just kind of over that. And I'm so glad that that was your response because I really, you know, I don't, I think that that is the secret, that there's not a, a secret that that secret that we're all looking for. And in, in, in terms of, you know, marketing and stuff like that, I think it's just like you put, you do meaningful work and you put in, you put in the time with consistency and it pays off just as you've proven it to pay off. So, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is kind of like about the grind. Like how long do you really feel like you have to grind? Cause it sounds like you still, there's still a little grind in there. Um, yeah. And I know as far as like stuff that I do, my experience with like movies and stuff, like there's always grind. There's never a, a time when there's not grind, but would you say there's a, a certain period of, of like really <laughs> hardcore grind that you have to, to put in before you can get to a certain level to where you can maybe enjoy the fruits of the labor, labor a little bit more or. I mean, gosh, I again say, you know, the hardest part about it is throwing yourself out there, pitching to brands, sending email after email after email. And you might only get, like I said, like I sent 15, messages last week I got one response and one deal which is great but knowing that you're gonna have to keep kind of what analogy am I even making I'm for some reason envisioning hitting a baseball like you're gonna have to hit that baseball over and over again until you finally what's the thing get a home run throw it out of the park Mm -hmm. and it's exhausting and it's it's disheartening and it's upsetting sometimes because you're just trying and trying and trying but keep at it because again, what's the worst that's going to happen? You don't get a response, but it's that one good deal you get out of maybe the 20 no responses that gets you excited again. And I think living for that, that one thing that's just going to be awesome keeps you doing it over and over again. I love that so much. It's actually reminding me of uh recently i watched uh the last dance have you seen that by chance on netflix with michael jordan yes but i have not seen it it's so long you have that (laughs) i'm thinking about the other movie my husband is obsessed with that he i watched like two episodes i think he finished the whole series in maybe two days oh my god i mean it was it's it's so good it's so good what I was thinking of was save the last dance. I'm like, I was in seventh grade when I last saw that, but I know that is a good series and it's really inspiring. Just to clarify for the audience, the yeah. last dance with Michael Jordan. And it just, what you were saying reminded me of Phil Jackson. And I, first of all, I, 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 I don't know who like most famous sports people are because I, that's how, much I follow sports, but for some reason I've always kind of liked basketball. So yeah. I haven't, I haven't kept up with it or watched it in 10 years. So this documentary or docuseries was perfect for me because I was familiar with all of the people in it from like 10 years ago. And uh, to cut to the chase, Phil Jackson said something to, I hope I'm not butchering this and it's not verbatim, but something to the effect of you're only as good as your last game, like the success of that game. Like, like that's, that's great. That success is, is awesome. But you're like, 
like only as good as the success of the last game. And again, I'm paraphrasing. That's not, that's not a quote, but that is exactly what it reminded me of because you can't really base your success or, or the future off of, off of what it is that you've been successful at or whatever you've done like today or this week, like that's the success of today or this week. And now, you know, you have to, you have to move forward. You have to think forward. That's just kind of what it reminded me of. I wish I could remember the exact quote. Maybe I'll, I'll find it, put it in the show notes. I want to talk to you because you're a new mom, you're balancing motherhood with doing these things that you love and sometimes also working additional jobs that you mentioned. How has being a new mother to a beautiful daughter, and I know you're, you're expecting your second child this year, which is very exciting. How has that impacted your passion for fashion? Well, trying to dress comfortably, but <laughs> not like feeling like a goon. Oh my gosh. Um, Oh, and you have never looked like that. So let me just be uh-huh. clear. I see all of your pictures on Instagram. and You, you don't see me at home some days, though. It is not a pretty sight, Gentry. Well, you don't see me at home either, girl. You do not see me at home either. So, <laughs> so there's that. But you look beautiful. Thank you so much. And I think, you know, becoming a new mom, and I remember this too. My I loved my doctor in Dallas. I miss her. Um, but she said to me, and of course, there's so much you don't understand when you're having your first baby. You have no idea what's about to happen when you take that baby home. And um, she was like, I want you to put on makeup at least five days of each week for the first month. And she's like, I want you to get out of your home. I don't care if you step on your front porch. I don't care if you actually take a walk. She was like, you need to do something for you at least once a day. And I was like, I'm not really a makeup person. I'm not going to do that. But I got home and I was like in my sweats, disgusting, like no makeup for so many days. I couldn't recognize myself, greasy hair. And I was like, I'm going to follow doctor's orders. Um, So, you know, holding on to that sense of self when you're a new mom is really challenging, especially if like I've transitioned to, I'm, I'm a stay at home mom now, you know, I, the first three months of my daughter's life, I was working 50 hours a week, still blogging and had her. So it was kind of just stressful all the time, but I still had my me time and I got dressed in the morning. Um, you're less inspired to do that when you don't have anywhere to go or anywhere to be. Thank you. Lockdown and quarantine as well. (laughs) But, you know, I think, doing those little things for yourself to put on tinted moisturizer and mascara in the morning and a nice dress. I feel so much better throughout the day. I feel, you know, I feel more excited to go on our afternoon walk through town because I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, everyone's like going to struggle looking at me today. Um, So I, I think finding that relation and, you know, knowing other moms are feeling that way and just finding pieces that are easy to throw on and things that are easy to do just a tiny 10 minute, five minute thing to change the whole, you know, style of your day is what I like to do. And that's kind of the style that I'm conveying with maternity and motherhood and all of that. Um, And definitely, I mean, I've always been kind of a lazy fashion person, but definitely that's, that's my game with fashion perspective of my feed now. And you're just talking about parenting stuff in life. People love babies. Can I just throw that out there? People (laughs) love babies. So, 
I don't think you're going to have a problem connecting with people on that level and people feeling those, those same types of feelings and, okay. and talking about <laughs> feel. I want to move on to feelings because you mentioned that and that's so important. And it's so, I'm so impressed with your doctor, not because I think that if people maybe heard that they could get it confused with superficialness, which is, it's that's actually like, honestly how I took it. Like, I was like, why would I put on makeup? Like, <laughs> and, you know? But, but I, I, I see it differently because thoughts lead to feelings and feelings lead to actions. And that, like, that is scientifically yeah. proven. That's not like pie in the sky way of thinking. And so knowing that, I just think that that was so brilliant. And I, and I want to clarify that for people because I think, again, like the way that you took it would be a really common way for people to perceive that, even yeah. myself. But knowing that thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to actions, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I even do that. I can resonate with that because I, with what you're saying and how you felt when you actually put on the makeup and went out, because I don't have anywhere to go in quarantine. I'm working from my home. Yeah, and that's hard. Yeah, but it's the way it makes you feel. So do I do the entire face like I'm going to go out? Of course not. It's a waste of my time. But uh, am I going to put on some tinted moisturizer, maybe a little mascara and some lip gloss? Yeah, because it makes me feel like I'm put together, right? Yeah, and so, then you have a more positive and productive day. Yes, because those lead to those actions. So that is so yeah. important. I'm so glad you brought that up. Now, you said that you are, and I quote, someone who has struggled with extreme anxiety most of my life, and I'm still unclear on how I haven't get spontaneously combusted, but I suppose <laughs> that's all in God's good grace, isn't it? Now, I want to dive into that, those statements a little bit more because I feel that's such a common way for people to feel, but maybe they don't talk about it quite as much. How yeah. have you dealt with some of those feelings or some of those moments of anxiety and, and how have you mentally gotten through those tough times? Well, my husband standing aside says, because of my wonderful husband, but in, <laughs> in a more realistic way, um, actually, it does have a lot to do with him. But, you know, in the past year and a half, two years, wow, um, we have been through so much. And I really am a person that I try to just take everything one little step at a time. Um, you know, finding out I was pregnant with someone I've only hung out with twice. That's not really a calming feeling. Um, but it's kind of like I pave out, okay, here's the first step of what we've got to do. That's the step I'm going to look at. And that's the step I'm going to take. Then you get to the second one and you address that then, you know, and of course we've had a wonderful story. Things have worked out. But having a three-month-old baby just returning to work for maternity leave, finding out that your husband has to leave the country and you have to move and lose both of your jobs, that's stressful. But again, you know, you find the positive. Wow, what a cool opportunity. We get to go where he's from. But for me, live in a different country, raise our babies somewhere where they'll be cultured and know two different, you know, ways of life and taking it step by step, you know we sped up our marriage process so we could go into the country married. Uh, my childhood dream wedding wasn't to have a courthouse wedding. However, it was perfect. It was what I loved, you know, getting that done little things as far as like getting a passport for a baby, getting all the things done that you have to do. <laughs> and aside with like financial struggle, again, 
taking everything one one grain of salt at a time and just getting through that obstacle and rewarding yourself for the littlest thing that you've accomplished because in big bundles of stress and things that are anxiety causing every little step is important and you should reward yourself for getting through each one of those because at the end you think how the heck did i do that and how am i still here but you did and I would say the past two years of my life, really, that's what I've done to combat the anxiety. And, and I'm happy. And if I think about what's gone on, I'm like, wow, holy crap. But, you know, we did it. And there's so many worse things that could happen in life. But there are also a lot less stressful things that people could have gone through. And, and it was stressful for us. I love that one step at a time. And also celebrating small wins. I think that's really important. So So important. And also, you know, there's no sense in trying to project out your feelings about multiple years because you would never believe where you would never believe anybody if they told you, you know, this is where you're going to be the following year anyways, because things can change at such a rapid, Oh my gosh. Yes. Rapid pace. Just as you've described. I mean, sometimes like, okay, sometimes it's fair that sometimes they don't. Sometimes people stay in the same house doing the same job with no dramatic (laughs) changes for five years. (laughs) But then there are those times and I've experienced it for myself where everything in your entire life can change in one year. So there's no sense in worrying about something. Oh my gosh. I'm just now thinking of a Michael Jordan quote. I believe it's a quote that's coming to me right now. And he said something like, Oh, why somebody was to commenting on like a three pointer or something like that. And he was like, why would I be worried about, a shot I haven't taken yet. Like something to that effect. It's reminding me of that right now. I'm like, Oh, that's so true. Too much in life can change that. I think putting one foot in front of the other, just as you've described, could be really helpful for somebody that is maybe feeling anxious about tomorrow, you know? Um, And and also it can change for the better. You know, a lot of people are always like, what if this bad thing happens? And what if that bad thing happens? And I'll never forget the time when I was going almost like going through a transitional separation after 15 years. And I remember one of my friends saying, what if it's all good? And I literally had never thought, what if it's all good? I was just thinking, yeah, what if this it's happens? Yeah, because it's natural thing. Well, I'm going to give a quote Ooh. from The Office, which is actually meaningful and ridiculous. But there's some episode of like season two where Jan is interviewing all the girls. And Pam's trying to come up with all these excuses not to go to New York to do her art thing. And Jan looks at her and says, there's always a million reasons not to do something. And it's like, that's true. You can find any reason not to do something, but it's hard to find the one to do it. And, you know, I think it takes a stronger person to find a positive what if, and like the quote, what was the quote you just said? That was so good. What if something good happens? She just literally looked at me and said, what if it's all good? (laughs) Why would my mind never go there? But, you know, if you can get yourself to think that way, wow, how much, how much positive can come from that? Seriously, girl, it completely, I don't even think that she remembers saying it, but it was such a significant uh, moment for me that I think about it all the time. Don't you love (laughs) that? 
I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's such an important message for people to hear. Let's talk about insecurities for a second, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, these days are putting a lot, way, way too much attention on, you know, likes on social media that's yes. adversely affecting their health and self-worth. And I'm only imagining it's even harder when you're an influencer and those likes equal opportunities and you have to separate this two categories. But you mentioned in a blog post that you mentioned about having insecurities and about doubting yourself. Can we just talk about that for a minute? And I'm not sure, sure if you would call it imposter syndrome or if you would just uh, chalk it up to just reevaluating what you feel called to do. But can you talk about some of those insecurities you may have felt and, and, and doubting yourself and and like how you came out of it? For sure. Well, and I think too, um, you know, within this industry, it is hard. And for example, for me here, you know, I'm not only posting to an audience that's 3% of my entire audience, I'm posting in a different time zone. So I'm posting to essentially none of my followers um, and trying to get new followers. So, you know, my engagement has been not so good. and that's just disheartening. Um, you know, it's a, a yucky feeling, especially when you've had so much success, not getting responses or accepted from certain brands and campaigns you've tried to do and all of that. But, you know, again, when I had my, my daughter, you know, all of my girlfriends were having babies in Austin and I love these girls, but they're like two weeks back in my skinny jeans and like, taking pictures of it and it's like have their babies all dressed up all pretty. And I'm like literally laying in my pajamas. I had a C-section. I got shingles afterwards, like nightmare troll situation. And I'm like, I can't even freaking get dressed for the day. How are these girls back in their skinny jeans? You know? And I think the root of all evil with this industry is comparing yourself to others because those girls had no malintent of, of posting their pictures. It's like, they should be proud. They're back in their skinny jeans after two weeks. A lot of them, it was a second baby. It's not their first rodeo. You know, they know what they're doing. I didn't, but I think because you see so much of that, you expect that that's what you're going to experience. And it's just, it's just not, you know, and again, it's like, putting so much focus on likes back to what I was saying, likes and engagement and all of that. I've had to really learn with my move, you know, don't focus on the number focus on the follower. And I've been losing a lot of followers since I've been here, but I'm gaining a lot of followers that are more in my niche and more niche, however you want to say it. And I'm relating to, and I'm connecting with, and you know, that live in the same area as me that have kids that, that are young moms, you know, and want something authentic and real and are curious about me and my life. And that to me is much more important than seeing a number in front of my post, you know? So I, again, back to my base points, being you, being authentic, creating things that you are happy about are the most important things, even though it is so, so, so hard not to play the compare game, but that is what will drive you crazy, make you depressed, make you really despise what you're doing. So I think staying away from that, if there's a certain account you can't stop looking at and thinking, why can't I be like her? Unfollow it. You know, it's it's not healthy. And that would kind of be my best advice there. 
It is really, really, really good advice. If it bothers you, I hope our listeners are really listening to this part. If you're like doing something else right now, you need to stop and you need to listen to this because this is important. Nothing will alter your feelings more than to be looking at images that are making you feel bad and you don't have to necessarily block someone. You can just mute them. You can just turn it off to where you're not seeing them and they'll never know. But I have even done that myself and I can't even tell you it's been amazing. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I also think you had other important messages in there. Like it's okay to pivot, you know, your audience might not always be the, might not always be the same and that's okay. You know, engagement over likes is more important because that's, that means you are connecting with your audience, the people that speak your language. And I think growth, I think that's a natural part of growth because how could we possibly be the same person that we were three years ago? Unless we, right. I mean, if we didn't grow or if nothing changed perhaps, but I'm just saying, I feel like that there's a natural progression there. So are you going to lose some followers? Of course you are. Are some people going to unsubscribe to your newsletter? Of course there are. Of course they are. And when they do to mine, it's funny because I know some people they're like, Oh my gosh, you lost, you know, three or four subscribers when I send out that newsletter. When someone unsubscribes to my newsletter, I'm not even joking. I I'm happy and I'm not even joking. I'm happy because it's messing up everything else. When those people that are following you are not engaging with you, it's messing up your analytics. So much of that. I mean, so much of that. So it is true. Like as every time I post, I gain followers, but I also lose followers. Yes. Now, if you kept losing them and then you had none, (laughs) there would be a problem, but that's not, yeah, but that's not the idea. The idea is that everyone has an audience and it's going to be different. So if people aren't into that, it's okay that they go, it's okay. It's okay. You guys just, I think that's awesome. How is the fact that IG removed the likes impacted your profession? That's what I'm trying to say. And also what do you, what do you think it's doing to the profession globally? Okay. So first of all, I don't know what's wrong with my thing, but like, I still see everyone's likes. So a, I don't know with that, but B, I think it is a much healthier thing for those people that aren't seeing likes because you know, you also think about these young, like teenage girls that are posting and if they don't have 400 likes in the first hour, like, they're going to lose their mind. So I think it's positive. Again, it eliminates the compare game, but I think it also, I don't know. I think it benefits with brand deals and work, but I also think there's negatives too, because, you know, they do look at numbers and they do look at engagement. I go back and forth to be honest. And again, because all of my likes still show, I, I feel a bit confused about it. Do you see likes on Instagram? I do, but you know, I have like my, my personal account and then I have the one just for Gentry Club Makeup and Skin. And then we have the one for our store, Katone Clothing. And yeah. those are all, those are all different. And I, the way I understood it is that they have made these changes in waves and okay. infections. So it's not, it's not done all at once to everyone. It kind of started out as an experiment 
and now it's now they're moving forward with it. So okay. eventually the, the way I understand it is eventually it will be that way for everyone. So, and again, I was just, it's, I was just asking for an opinion because, you know, um, I know influencers or I don't know, I assume that influencers really rely on that type of data and also not just the data, which, which I'm assuming you could get from, you know, uh, from analytics, but it's also a perceived value. You know, it's kind of like someone glances at the page and they see the numbers and then they just automatically perceive perceive something as value. And so if you don't see those numbers, you know, how is the value perceived? So I guess that's a, a question for the future. <laughs> yes, see, that's what I was going to say. I think for business, you know, and when there are people that buy likes and do things and, and businesses can look at your insights now and kind of see if that's happening. But, you know, from my, from a brand and influencer perspective, I think that it has been really unfair to brands to just go by numbers because there are so many marketing agencies and buy likes and all that. So they're actually paying someone for a product that they're not receiving because the engagement they think they're getting is just bots. So is I think not having the likes will be better because they'll have to base their content creators on the content they want created, you know, they'll have to really like your page and say, this person is worth it for the content, not for the number in front of the photo. I love that. I love that. And I also love what you said earlier about it could be healthier for, you know, like the general public, because I do feel like that's, that is also true. I think if we can remove that hang up, I think that it will be good for our, our self-esteem as a whole. Yes. Especially younger people, especially younger people. I think getting rid of likes for just that reason is amazing. Yeah, I do too. So what I just want to talk about dreams for a minute before we wrap up our conversation, because, you know, that's in large part what this show is about. And I'm just wondering what has life taught you about dreams in general and have your dreams changed? I would say yes. You know, I think with a lot of how do you even say the word night naivety, naiveness, whatever. I, I just asked Alex that the other day. So don't ask me <laughs> a lot of whatever that word is. You know, I went to college, graduated university and I wanted to be this big fashion person in New York, like every other girl at the time because of the freaking Rachel Zoe project. And then, it, you know, it's like you kind of adapt your life to what, is realistic, but you still have your passion projects. And, you know, I always wanted to be in fashion. I wanted to do all this stuff there and ended up having a kid's cooking school, which I literally still have dreams about and miss so much. The owner of our um, old business is adorable. One of my good friends. So it's lovely. The business is about to be 10 years old, but you know, I still think about that. Even though when I was doing that, I was still doing my blogging on the side as a passion project I, of course, wanted to be a full-time blogger, Um, you know, and I ended up making enough monetarily I might could have been before this move, but that's not the way that life's thrown it at me. So I think just being able to adapt and understand like things, you can't control your life, right? I mean, you have certain amounts of control, but for me, it's like at some point on July 4th of 2019, I got on a roller coaster and just said, take me, you know, and I think 
I think just being able to adapt and still find joy in the things you love um, while doing the things you need to do to survive in life and having a perspective that there are both. And sometimes it can be the two things together and sometimes it can't, but you just keep working and you keep trying. And honestly, that is so rich. Everything you said is so rich. What advice would you give others aspiring to do what it is that you do? Be true to you. Um, Don't let comparison, you know, break your confidence and do create content and do your work in a way that is meaningful to you and other people are going to see that. Mm, I love that. I love little words of wisdom like that. I think that's going to be a quote later. (laughs) It's going to be a quote later. My Michael Jordan quote. Yes. Uh, My Kaylee Margaret quote. (laughs) Where do you see yourself in five years? Probably still in England, location wise. You know, we, we intend to have more kids, which is wonderful. But in five years, you know, I think ideally we'll be done having babies. And I truthfully would love to start start up a children's cooking business here in the UK, um, just as I had in the States, which again, irony, I always wanted to do fashion and our, our kids' business is what I really find myself being the most passionate about. So I would love to be able to start um, doing something entrepreneurial and having my own business again and, and, you know, making special moments and special days and memories for, for kids and teaching them things here. I love that. I'm feeling a part two coming on here with this whole (laughs) start a children's cooking business. I'm feeling a part two coming on Um, before we go. And that, that that's really beautiful. I love that. I think i really hope that something you continue to want, I really hope it comes to fruition for you. And I have no doubts that it will. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Gentry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, before we go, I have to ask, what is your favorite quote and why? It's kind of funny. And I actually wasn't even sure where it came from, but I remember my mom always saying it. Now I know it's a Doris Day song, but que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. You know, like we touched on previously, I'm a stressor. I'm an anxious person. And at the end of the day, it's like I sit stewing. Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? How can I control this? You know, even what, a year and a half, two years ago, how am I ever going to get married? How am I going to have babies? I hate living in Dallas. Whatever will be, will be. Um, And I think my life is a pretty, pretty clear example of that. Whatever is going to happen is going to find its way to happen. And then you just have to have faith, whether that's in religion and vibes and spirit and whatever, that your path is going to be set for you and do the best you can until you're on that path. But it can hit you out of nowhere and and whatever will be, will be. I love that. It actually just gave me some chills. I just want to thank you so much for the gift of your time with us today, Kaylee. I just know that our audience is going to love the raw honesty that you've given us and be inspired by your journey just as I have. And will you please tell the audience the best place for them to connect with you online? Yes. I mean, my Instagram handle is at Kaylee Margaret. I still do have my website. However, I haven't really been posting on there, which is sad because I love writing. Um, but yeah, Instagram is, is where I'm at most of the time. Um, and just little excerpts of our days out on our walks and, in Winchester and 
and mommy stuff and fashion posts and all that. Well, I just read a lot of your blogs last night and I think that they're still, they are still so relevant and so meaningful and they were so touching. So I do um, hope that people will, will visit your blog now and look forward to what you write in the future. And I just want to say thank you again. Thank you for your time today. It was so nice chatting with you. It's been so awesome. For our listeners, I want to say make sure to sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already for weekly skincare tips and our beauty brand boot camp course updates.